This is People Like Us, a show about Alt-MBA alumni. Here's Michael LaWarn from Alt-MBA 15. Thank you, Michael, for taking the time to talk with me today. I am so excited to get to know you better in that you are such a Renaissance man. You've done so many creative and interesting things in your life. I I was curious, where do you get your inspiration? Where do you draw your inspiration from? And I was wondering if there was a, a particular work or project that you're especially proud of. You know, I, the way I used to talk about this was that um, I used to get bored easily. And um, to a degree, that's true. But I also was interested in a lot of things. So I wouldn't say that I went looking for inspiration more so than I was just inspired by opportunities that presented themselves or opportunities that I chased after. Um, but one of the things I would say I've come to realize is a common thread that runs through in many ways everything that I do is the idea of provocation. And so, like, I've done lots of art projects and I particularly like doing public art projects and I see there's a connection between that and the architecture that I do. I'm an architect because they're all, to a greater or lesser degree, a, a public act. And I guess that's also you know, a common thread that goes through what I do, this idea of serving the public um, or serving people. And so one of my favourite projects that, that came out of all of that was a project that embodies all of those things called Food for Thought that originally was designed for a laneway in Sydney for like a temporary public art show. And people were offered, I think, Fifteen or $20,000. It was quite a lot of money to do the work. And I collaborated with a friend on this. And my thought was, well, it's kind of a shame that they're spending so much money on this thing. And then it goes. And I've sort of changed my, my mind about that to some degree. But like for me, what was really important was that it somehow left a trace, that there was, it had a life beyond just the installation. And so we came up with this idea and after a bit of back and forth, it came a little bit from Gordon Matter Clark's soup kitchen. And so it was called Food for Thought and it was a deliberate provocation where we would inhabit a space in a performative way. There was a whole lot of ritual and things I won't go into. But the basic idea of it was that we would ask a provocative question. We would seed it with some of our own ideas to allow people to be a little bit more adventurous in their answers but ultimately it was a question of in that case about the space or about the city and then in exchange for that they were to get a cup of soup hence food for thought and the soup was meant to be local it was idea was to be made by a local restaurant it was to be served by a local identity or celebrity to kind of give it some cachet but at the heart of it the idea was that every idea was equal so it didn't matter whether you were a kid, whether you were an adult, whether you were an expert, whether you were amateur, um, whether your idea was sort of crazy or whether it was, you know, conservative, every idea was valued equally. But on top of that, the soup slows people down. So when they've got a cup of soup in their hand, they have to sit or stand and drink it. And the idea was that we would connect people because they might start to chat about their idea over a cup of soup. So 
there was two things that came out of that. One was this idea of connecting people. The other one was this idea that then we have this cachet of answers that maybe we could do something with, that we, we could use to inform a project that followed that about that space. And we were lucky enough, we didn't get the bid, but we loved the idea. So we kind of pushed it until we actually got an opportunity to go to Broken Hill, which is in kind of the middle of Australia. It's where they shot Mad Max and some of Priscilla Queen of the Desert. It's like that sort of landscape. That's a town that was built on mining and the mining, the mines are being depleted and mining is sort of leaving the town. So it's sort of struggling a little bit. And so they wanted artworks or art projects that engaged with the local community. So we took it there. So instead of about being space, we made it about Broken Hill. And in some ways, it was actually the first time we'd done it properly. We'd done it sort of as a demonstration a number of times, but this was actually, in a sense, real. And the amazing thing was that when we did it, we found that the ideas were fantastic and, and there were some crazy ones and all sorts of wonderful things came out of it. But the really special part of it was that when... So what I didn't explain was everyone got a card to fill out that notionally had 140 characters in which to answer it because this idea of the technology that maybe sometime it could be tweeted or, or whatever. But in the act of handing the cards out, you end up having a conversation with someone. Like we were blow-ins from the city and so there was a certain amount of suspicion, although when they saw the local celebrity there, at least it gave us some sort of connection and so on. But we ended up in all these amazing conversations with people and people that knew a lot about the city. So we learned so much more from those initial conversations than the conversations we had, um, I mean, the answers that we got as a result. And, you know, I'm an introvert. I'm terrible kind of at networking things. So it actually also gave me that entry point to have those conversations. Like doing architecture, you do, um, I mean, this is another aspect of it. In architecture, you often do public consultation. And that's kind of a loaded situation, whereas this was kind of people were more off guard or more open and you always end up with a certain type of people person at, at like a public consultation whereas these were just people that happened to be wandering by in a sense so you know so you know it was quite a special opportunity that we had we felt quite privileged to have had that it's gone dormant since but you know it's still there we could revive it at some stage i had this idea that i'd turn it into this open source thing that anyone could use and actually make a website where all of the projects would be be put people there'd be like a um a manual that people could modify and 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 adjust and you know it would become this live document but it would be kind of amazing to see all these projects around the world where people just asked a simple question in response for a cup of soup and just to see what opportunities that threw up so you know that's kind of the most typical of what i do but i've done lots of like i've done big public art projects for a big sculpture show that is in sydney but um, I kind of fell into that to a degree. Like I came out of architecture not wanting to be, not still wanting to be an architect, but kind of a bit exhausted, but was still loving making things. I've always loved to make things. And I ended up finding myself sharing a studio with a bunch of artists and having, being really challenged. Like I kind of look back on that and think how formative it was. It's like I came out of architecture trying to make these precision things and pristine models and and you know all of these things that had like I, I call architecture brainwashing like I think any education is to a degree it's like you come out with a particular mentality right um and I think architecture one of it's like there's lots of OCD people out there that are architects you know and prissy and and so on and you know that 
I, it really challenged me when I was sharing a space with artists who kind of didn't mind the messiness of their work. And I'm like, hey, Simon, like if you just made this a little bit better, it would be really amazing. And I had this long conversation with this artist and he was like, no, 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 no it's all part of it. And I started to, to learn to appreciate that. But when I joined it, I was doing things like making lights and whilst they were sort of one-offs, they were not, you know, they were beautiful things. But I slowly shifted to seeing, well, there's opportunities for making artworks and maybe they can actually have a little bit of messiness around them. And, you know, food for thought has messiness around it. Other things that I made had messiness around it, although they still had, you know, my hands tied behind my back, but my architectural education of, well, I need to be pretty well made. And, you know, but I was, I was like, these were big things and I was limited by my own skills in terms of building large and facilities and things too. So, yeah. So that was my ramble on that. I'm not quite sure. I mean, there's plenty of more that I could say. Like, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really interested in that time you spent at the studio. Was there something that came out of that time that if you were to look at the Michael that entered, like just leaving architecture, that you're like, oh yeah, the Michael who stepped into the studio the first day would have never made this, would have never done that. Do you have an example of something that you never would have done uh, if you hadn't been in that studio? Definitely. Like I think I never probably would have thought to do any artworks or actually put myself out in the world doing art. It probably would have remained a private thing, but because I was with people that were putting stuff into the world, that encouraged me to take that leap. I think that story about the messiness, (laughs) like that definitely challenged my education and challenged the way of thinking and allowed me to see that there was like a totally different way to be in the world with the creativity that I had. And so like there were some projects that I, I deliberately introduced that messiness and that hand of the maker into it in a sense. And that's not necessarily just the kind of wabi-sabi, but um, there's certainly aspects of that. And I think it just reinforced. So I've always, I've always sort of liked the idea of questioning stuff and like that's just continuing through. And like it just reinforced that because I was challenged and so I was like, okay, I'm right to be questioning. I'm right to, to see things. So, you know, my current thing, which has been current for a decade or whatever, is that, you know, architecture, your skill as an architect isn't just about making buildings. Like there's no reason why when you get a brief that a building should be the outcome from that brief. It's like we've got skills that are broad, but we also have specialist knowledge and the specialist knowledge is about designing a building. And that's why when an architect is given a brief, they design a brief, a building that's like a, you know, an assumption that we have to design buildings as architects. But, you know, maybe sometimes when you're given a brief, the best solution actually isn't a building. Mm. So it just, I guess, reinforced that thinking for me, like being with people that, you know, in a sense, artists are much freer like they come out of art college and everything like they have a they still have a particular brainwashing but they're not quite so contrived in their thinking as an architect might be in their from their education so i think the other thing that it showed me was that the value in mixing with people like that and to a degree that's you know always continued through and like one of the main reasons i decided to join the LTMBA was simply to put myself in a totally different environment with people that think entirely differently that are going to challenge me and push me to see that maybe I have assumptions about the way I think that I need to challenge. I find it inspiring that you you have this architecture background 
So you're thinking about space and environment and something that you've done in your own life is, is put yourself into different sorts of environments to, to help you explore or, or question things in a different way. And you spoke about how you didn't know what to expect from Alt-MBA. Looking back now, what did you discover or what new questions did you come up with through Alt-MBA? Oh, look, of course, everyone answers this question. So it's like, you know, what didn't I discover? Um, I think, I think the, like, as I look back on it, the biggest by far thing for me, well, I suppose there are a few. I mean, obviously the empathy one comes up a lot, but uh, like for me, bigger than that still was the idea of leadership and the idea that you don't wait to be asked. And I think I had spent a lot of time waiting to be asked. And I came across a quote a while ago about, and I can't remember exactly how it goes. It's something like, um, you know, you need to be willing to be a fool to lead. I totally stuff that up and I totally forget who, who said it. But the idea is that the basic idea, and I think, you know, and I'm pretty sure it uses fool as the word. And I think that, or you have to, something like that. Anyway, I probably wouldn't describe it like that. Like I think fool is probably a bit too strong. But the idea that if you just sit doing the same thing as everyone else, then you're not stretching, you're not kind of going further, you're not making a path for people. And so that I, so it kind of gave me, I guess, to a greater or lesser degree, the confidence to stand up and to to be a fool um, and to, like, and, and I suppose in some ways the provocations in my art were a part of that. But I was, in a sense, in performance, the sort of performance, formative aspects of it or the, the built aspects of it, you can kind of hide behind that, particularly as an introvert. That's kind of my performance. Like I'd done, I'd, I'd been at festivals with a whole bunch of performers where I had, was forced to perform and I absolutely hate it. Um, but, you know, and so one time I did like a little puppet show, not that I'm a puppeteer, but, but like I was able to hide behind the character of the puppet rather than actually be the performer per se, even though I did it entirely in the open. So it actually gave me the confidence, going back to the original point, gave me the confidence to stand up and to push myself towards being a more outspoken leader and like actually stand behind my words rather than stand behind like some sort of physical thing. So, you know, it's prompted me to start writing, which, you know, generally provocations has started me to push a bit harder with kind of actively taking on leadership roles. I think that's like that, that for me is the biggest takeaway, but there's just so much. I mean, the community, obviously the opportunity that I got to coach, which just kept on stretching me and reinforcing all of the learning that I got from it. Like that was amazing. That was like, wow, I'm being paid to actually continue to learn and to embody and take on that posture. And so, you know, there's just so much in there, but you know, if I had to say there was one takeaway, it was definitely that kind of idea of leadership and how, what I do with that. In one of your prompts, you talked about how people forget years, but they remember moments. Can you talk about what you're getting at with that project? Um, I can't believe you watched that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, like, that was, like, when I read that quote, like I ripped that quote off from an English author who's, again, I name, I've forgotten. 
I thought it was just such a beautiful quote. If I back up a little bit, like you look at the world and you look at all of these things that happen in the world, whether it's Trump or climate change or my stuff happening in Australia, so I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, you see these rusted on people and this idea of worldview and um, it came from all the exercises on worldview and I kind of got really interested in that and the idea that if you challenge people's worldview, the kind of world falls away and they, you actually tend, they tend to hold on tighter if you challenge their worldview. So you have to kind of flip how you approach that conversation and, you know, there's empathy and Sondra and all sorts of things that are tied up with that. And I've done artworks that relate to this too and it's just, and even Food for Thought embodies this idea that if you can take one little moment that people can hold on to that is significant and meaningful, they will keep on returning to that. And that is a way of changing someone. You don't try and change everything across the year. You change one little thing, you give them one little thought, one little memory, and that can be a really profound action for change. And so like that through that journey of the LTMBA, that that was kind of where I ended. And I was like, oh, I guess you can see how I've done that previously, but never kind of put the threads together. But, you know, people come up with these grand visions and I'm going to change the world and this is how I'm going to do it. And I was like, how do you do that? Like you just look at how rusted on some people are with their worldviews and you don't change them by creating facts at them because they don't believe them. So you need to, so you need to make that emotional connection. And so what I was trying to do with that was like, how do you make that emotional connection to change people? How do you give them that moment that they're going to keep on returning to rather than trying to remember like an entirety of a, of a lesson that I might have gone over a whole year? Yeah, that's such a powerful idea. What's next for you or what sorts of moments are you creating now? Well, I'm still dwelling on that. Well, I'm not dwelling on what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm still dwelling on the idea of how do I create those moments. But what um, I came out of this thinking was, like, if you look at the first goal that I did in the LTMBA, it was about fixing the office in a sense. It was like a goal for doing other work in the office. And by the end of it, it was like, okay, actually what I want to do is change culture. And so in this case, it's I want to, my crazy hairy ambition is to change the culture of ultimately the creative professions because they're all got threads through it, but mostly architecture because that's where I have the most impact and connection and network and so on. And so like I'm doing that in a sense from the top down because I've got a leadership position in a professional organisation. But obviously we all know that leadership has to happen all the way through um, and, and culture has to happen all the way through. So there's only a limit to what you can do from the top. So what I'm trying to do is in a sense, do the same thing as the LTMBA and build, what I'm saying is build an army, but, um, you know, just change people so they can change people. And so I've ended up building accidentally. <laughs> it wasn't where I started. I, I decided what I needed to do was start doing some coaching and run some workshops and things within the profession um, to, to kind of start to do that, to change people individually and start that process throughout the profession um and in the process of thinking about how i was going to do that and thinking about how i need to do my website i kind of came across thanks to avram's ship it groups 
came across this network called Mighty Networks. It's a social network. And in the process of doing it, I was using the focus shipper journal that asked me the question about how do you make it more generous? And I was like, oh my God, how do I make this more generous? That's the best question ever. And then what's the purple cow about? And then I kind of like, it suddenly clicked when I came at, like I thought, oh, this Mighty Networks thing's kind of interesting. And I wasn't, hadn't made the connection yet. And I looked at it and then the penny dropped. And I was like, oh, I don't need to build a website for myself. I need to build a community to do this work. And so I can, I can do the coaching and the workshops and things through that community, but then I can connect people through the community um, and they can support each other and they can help grow each other and they can, I can help drive cultural change through that process. So my business, my architecture business is called Redshift. And so the coaching kind of change-making business is called EdShift. So it's like the educational shift that you need to make. So, you know, maybe it's too cute, but... Um, so that's what I'm doing. It's, it's like I'm finding lots of challenges with that and there's lots of mistakes I'm making and lots of changes I need to consider and make. But in many ways, I knew that. Um, it's nevertheless challenging when you hit that and you think, oh, <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> but, you know, I wrote something about it might not work. And right. it's like I knew that. I knew it might not work. And I knew that I might need to change things, but it's still a bit of a kind of a, like when you put in a lot of hard work and you hit the dip and you just think, ah, oh, <laughs> there's so much more work to do. So yeah, it's a start. I love that. I love uh, with EdShift, you are creating your own environment. You're, you're creating this new environment for yourself. It, that's, that's, that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. It scares the shit out of me if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> to close, I have one question that I ask everyone I, I talk to. It's a fill in the blank. So how would you fill in the blank? Reach out if blank. I would say reach out if you, having listened to this now, there is something that you would love to have a conversation about or want to challenge me on in particular because I would love that. I would love to chat more about any of these things and I would love to be challenged. Reach out if you need any help that you think I might be able to give or support or equally, you know, the reverse, I guess. Um, if there's anything that you think you could help or support me with, that would be awesome. Um, perhaps not quite so removed from the rest of the world now, now that there's an Australian um, time zone, but certainly if you're in Sydney, reach out if you want to catch up in person. So, because that would be awesome. I, you know, it's always fun meeting new people and catching up and just, you know, either talking about the LTMBA, but, but usually talking about other things is the, the thing that really starts to get exciting. Well, thank you, Michael, for being a part of this community and your generosity and how you're always asking that question. How can you make this more generous? I can think of no other individual that really embodies that, that question more than, more than you. So thank you. Thanks so much, Colin. It really means a lot. Coming from you, that's like high praise. Thanks. And this has been super fun. Like It's been really lovely chatting. Thanks for listening. This episode is hosted by me, Covington Doan, and edited by William Flato. Check out the show notes for ways to contact Michael.